0: Hello guys, um, I apologize for any background noise that you sh- you will hear with this uh, podcast. So now we're going to do um, bipolar. Bipolar is another uh, mood disorder. It's one of the commonest one. B- bipolar, together with depression. So again, like what we did with depression, I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do DSM criteria. Then we do history, physical, and MSC. Uh, and then we do management of bipolar. So what is bipolar? Bipolar is uh, usually a mood disorder, which is associated with uh, (coughs) abnormally elevated or irritable mood with increased uh, activity or energy. Usually the period for bipolar and the symptoms usually one week. So for the DSM criteria of bipolar, what do you need? A Distinct uh, that now the period of elevated mood, expansive mood, or irritable mood, together with increased activity or energy lasting one week. One, two, uh, during this period, you must have three of the following or four of the following if the mood is irritable. One, inflated self esteem, like now you have delusions of grandiosity. Two, you have decreased need for sleep. Three, you're more talkative than usual. Four, you have flight of ideas. Five, you're easily distractible. Uh, Six, you have increased. Goal-oriented activity. Uh, this one, for example, let's say you you work in. Okay, you're reading. That means this time. Hey, you're reading, Sana. You're not so used to reading, but this time you're really doing it. Like it's goal-oriented, not at it, at lazing around or walking around or no. It's goal-oriented. Uh, seven usually indulge in activities that are usually like risk that have high potential for bad consequences, like. Um, You're going for a buying spree, you're going into sexual indiscretion, things like that. And then for C, all these things have to markedly impair your social or social, academic, or your life. For example, now this is what uh, differentiates bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. The fact that bipolar 1, there's psychotic symptoms. Bipolar 2, there's no psychotic symptoms. Bipolar 1, it usually affects your. Your normal social, occupational, academic functioning. However, the other one does not. The other one now, D for bipolar, is not attributable to any uh, substance or any medical condition. So now that is what is important. Such that uh, another thing in by bi- the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two is that. Usually, you see in bipolar one, you can even tell yourself that okay, you're not doing that well. However, in bipolar two, you'll find that these act- these symptoms are usually seen by other people and no, not by you. Also, duration of symptoms for bipolar one, duration of symptoms will be one week, minimum of one week. But for hypomania, usually around four days. <laughs> I have a joke. There's this time our lecturer told us about. She asked us what is hypomania, and then she said, "It's not a small mania." <laughs> It's, oh, it's, okay, if you don't find it fun, it's fine. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, that's how you, now. you know. So f- bipolar one, like we've said, there is psychosis. The symptoms affect your your social academic life. Three, you can even know yourself that you're not doing that well. And duration of symptoms is one week. However, hypomania, you have things. It's four days. There is no psychotic symptoms. Uh, the symptoms are observed by others. So when you're trying to diagnose Bipolar 1, this person, okay, they might come in depression, but then they need to have had one at least one manic episode and no history of hypomania. Because now if you put the patient in hypomania, it automatically becomes Bipolar 2. However, if they have a history of manic episode, then that is, hypo, uh, that is uh, Bipolar 1. And then one thing to note in Bipolar 2 is that it's more chronic and it's longer and more disabling. Like the depression that comes with bipolar two is it's not that good. And yes. So always remember the duration, the psychosis, if there are any psychotic uh, symptoms, remember the the for, and if it's affecting them um academically, occupationally, it does not ruin it that much for bipolar two. So uh what, is, what are the differential diagnoses for, for bipolar 1? There's something called cyclothymia. Cyclothymia is when um, these feelings of depression and mania occur for more than two years. Like, you can't tell what is going on. And they has, uh, it does not have a two-month period of no symptoms. It's constantly there. You see, for people who have uh, bipolar, You'll find when you're giving them drugs, there's a period where they are symptom-free. However, for cyclothymia, there is no that you have two months of someone being completely free of symptoms. Uh, Other disorders that could be a differential is now depression. You could have anxiety disorders. You can have personality disorders. You can have substance use disorders like alcohol, amphetamines medication induced disorders you can also have ADHD the reason why you're doing ADHD as a differential diagnosis is because most children you find most children have ADHD or most adults rather are they have rapid speech they are always they are restless they can't sit down they have racing thoughts you see they have reduced sleep so that can be a differential diagnosis okay so what are the risk factors for someone getting uh, bipolar so one Uh, countries that are high income. Two, if you're separated or divorced. Uh, Three, low socioeconomic status, things like that. And also, one thing is family history. Family history of bipolar is also a very strong link to those who get bipolar. One thing that should be noted is that for bipolar 1 and bipolar 2, bipolar 2 is more in females. Uh, And onset of bipolar 1 is 15 to 19 years, while for bipolar 2 is mid-twenties. Females with higher risk of alcohol use disorder uh, are more likely to have bipolar 1. So remember, people who are 15 to 19, mean uh, onset is bipolar 1, bipolar 2 is mid-twenties. Always remember that. Okay. So you've done the differential diagnosis, uh what do we decide? History and MSC. So an MSc appearance you might have you know those people who dress so drastically, they're wearing pink, they're wearing luminous green, you'll just tell they always want to talk to you all the time. They have a lot of ideas. When you're talking to them they have precious speech. They are very happy and you can tell their affect is appropriate to that that they are having. Concentration is reduced. They have now uh, they have uh, delusions of grandiosity, they start telling you, oh, sujui, my husband is Uhuru Kenyatta or I'm um, Sijui with, with Khalifa's wife, things like that, which you know are not true. Judgment is also out of the window. Then you, sometimes they might have insight or not. So your work is to depend, uh, to make sure that you have classified the level of insight for these patients. So to rule out, again, you will do the, investigations like the ones that we did in depression to rule out so how do we treat someone who has uh, bipolar so one again do we admit or not to psychoeducation you always need to know that you need to teach your patients the disorders that they have three you can do psychotherapy so psychotherapy you can do cognitive behavioral therapy then just the way it says cognitive behavioral therapy if we change the way we think will change the way we feel, which will help us change the way we act. act. That's one. Two, you can do family therapy, especially for patients who need good social support. Like most families are usually supportive, so they also need personal therapy, I mean family therapy. So now when we come to medication, um, to be honest, I've never seen lithium. These lithiums are things that like I just hear. Probably it's because of where we rotate, we don't see lithium because lithium is very expensive. But lithium would be your first drug of choice. You'd uh, uh, use lithium. But now, the ones now like in Madhari, the ones that are used a lot are things like the mood stabilizers, uh, like carbamazepine, lamotrigine, sodium valproate. Yeah. And then, because of the psychosis, some antipsychotics can be used, like the ones I've seen being used there. Haloperidol, I've seen quetiapine being used, uh, clopromazine. Olanzapine. Uh, some of them are first generation, others are second generation. So, uh, remember I've talked about family therapy, I've talked about interpersonal therapy. One thing I forgot to mention about lithium is the side effects. So for lithium, one way I remember lithium side effects is lithium itself. So L stands for leukocytosis, I stands for insipidus. They get diabetes inhibitors. Uh, T stands for tremors, and tremors are very common. Uh, and H stands for hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism, which is also very common. And M stands for mother's beware, meaning it's teratogenic. Okay. So I guess that does it for bipolar. I hope you'll remember what it is, the DSM criteria, what you look for in history and physical ex- and msc and also physical examination like if you want to rule out drugs you'll find like people who have uh, the drug uh, spots mm. how uh what you do the investigations and how we manage it because now uh, these are things that are really important for the examination otherwise uh, thank you for joining me and i hope you have a great day or night whichever you, whichever time you listen to this bye hello everybody i hope you're all well and safe uh today we're going to discuss depression i know like sometimes you might just be having a bad day but you declare yourself depressed so i guess today we're going to change that we're going to make sure that you when you say you're depressed you might actually be clinically depressed or just or you're just fine so what i'm going to do is uh I'm going to define what depression is then we're going to go through the DSM criteria for depression then we do the risk factors for depression then we go into the clinical features then we're going history and MSC then now we're going to management so what is depression depression is really just a diminished mood or irritable mood uh, this could be subjective or objective meaning like it could be you yourself feeling it or it could be someone else telling you "Hey, okay I don't think you've been okay and there's a certain Time like the two weeks that someone has to be depressed for you to say, Okay, now this is not just um, sadness, this is actually depression. So, for the DSM criteria, there's usually like A, B, C, D, E. So, A stands for uh, now that depressed mood and irritable mood for like two weeks. Then, B, you might have you need to have uh, five of the following. So, five of the following you might have a diminished interest or pleasure in things you used to like doing, that's called anhedonia you might have significant weight loss or weight gain. So usually, when people are stressed, sometimes they they go into eating or they stop eating at all. Then three, they either have insomnia or they sleep too much. Uh, they could have psychomotor agitation or retardation, meaning like their motor movement. They might always they seem restless. They're always doing something. They could also have fatigue or loss of energy. Uh, they also have feelings of worthlessness uh, Or guilt They might be very you know, just sometimes they all get guilty, but then with this pool, they get inappropriately guilty Then they have a reduced concentration and you have recurrent deaths or recurrent thoughts of suicide You have suicidal ideations. You have suicidal plans. Now. That's part of it So that is B. so you must You must have five or more of the things that I've mentioned and C uh this thing must have affected you socially academically like your normal functioning has been affected uh for it does not this is not attributable to other things like a medical issue or any substance abuse uh you must have never had a, a manic or a hypomanic episode because that will change the diagnosis into bipolar so this person must just be depressed only no history of hypomanic or manic episode Uh, Then there's no history of schizoaffective, schizophrenia, delusional disorder. So first remember the mood. Then two, remember those signs and symptoms. You must have five of them. Three, it must affect you functionally. It must affect your academic life. It must affect your personal life, your social life. Four, you must have never had a manic or a hypomanic episode. Five, it's not attributable to any other medical condition or substance abuse. I guess I hope those are the really important things when you're trying to look out, okay, is this depression or not there are so many things that can make someone depressed like the loss of uh, of a loved one bereavement or you being told okay you have this kind of disease like you might have cancer those are things that can make people go into depression and sometimes like when people are grieving there has to be like a difference like when do we decide that this is no longer grieving and this is now depression uh in the same form Uh, they used to say that if someone has gone into grief for more than uh, two weeks, it was considered depression. However, now, there are certain things that can be used to differentiate between bereavement and uh, the depressive disorder. Well, for one, uh, with grief, usually the mood just goes, goes up and down. You see, like sometimes you have... really sad you remember oh gosh I lost this person then sometimes you're okay but with depression it's constantly you're constantly sad Two, in grief your self-esteem is intact like you don't have you don't uh, have things of guilt or such thoughts but with this other person you have worthlessness guilt all those things for grief uh, the only reason why you want to die is so that you join that other person however for depression the reason you want to die is because you're no longer unable to take care you're no longer unable to function with that emotional pain Um, with grief sometimes you may have you see like those uh, thoughts and memories of the deceased however because you see you're in griefing so you're remembering that person however with uh depression you're just self-critical all the time you're just thinking I am worthless i am useless that's all the time that you're thinking with so with those things you have to ask your patient okay do you have this what is it you want to die how is your self-esteem is it intact or not uh it is important to know that people who have depression could also come with uh psychotic symptoms so like for example they might have delusions they might have hallucinations uh and they might have depressive stupor this brings me to a case of uh Patient we saw in one of the hospitals. So for this patient, this patient came with um, I think he was 12 years old. So this patient came with uh, auditory hallucinations. Uh, so you know, with auditory hallucination, everyone just wants to. us being my students, we want to start. Oh, Alice schizophrenic disorder or G kumbe Now our lecturer finally told us that this person, this child, was actually having depression secondary to grief because the grandfather had died recently and uh, he was hearing voices of the grandfather. So these are the kind of the psychotic symptoms that the patient will present with. For delusions, uh, they'll have um, delusions of, these are patients who think they have caused wild issues. Like now they are the ones who have caused corona, they feel so bad about it and they. it's intact. Like they do believe it has happened. They have delusions of poverty, they have, have delusions of guilt uh, now in hallucinations now they have auditory hallucinations you see that about that boy who was hearing the grandfather they usually uh, hear hallucinations of someone crying screaming and then for one thing about these patients is they have olfactory hallucinations where they smell things which are rotting and they have visual hallucinations of dead bodies demons things like that so for these patients uh, what are the risk factors for you to get depressed there are many risk factors uh, like one genetics so um, it's highly likely to be genetic like if maybe your mother or your father had also depression not at risk of getting it uh, certain childhood experiences like the loss of a parent lack of parental care sexual abuse physical abuse uh, if your parents are taking alcohol things like that could also Uh, leading to depression Uh, personality traits especially like patients who are um, I think other comorbid disorders can also lead you to having depression like for one if you have anxiety two if you have OCD things like that social circumstances uh, for now like marriage for like men usually marriage for men is protective however like things like divorce and separation could be a risk factor for them getting Uh, depression and one important one is physical illness. This is mostly because, like, people who have gotten sick and they have gotten a chronic disease could also end up being depressed. So, uh, what is the differential of depression? So, if you suspect someone has uh, depression when they come to you, what are the differential diagnoses for psychiatric ones and other ones which are more medical? So, for psychiatric ones, you'd think bipolar bipolar another mood disorder bipolar you think of anxiety disorders you think of ptsd you think of dysthymia you think of schizophrenia schizoaffective disorders and then others which are like medical you would think things like um, metabolic disorders like hypoglycemia hypercalcemia hypothyroidism you'd think anemia you'd think infections like hiv and hiv cephalopathy or syphilis um You'd also suspect that there's abuse. So on history and MSC what are the things that you'd like to look for? So in history, like HBI you'd want to think to look for things like appetite. You'd want to look for things like sleep. You'd want to think for feelings of guilt. You'd want to look at uh, things like suicidal ideations, feelings of worthlessness, things like that. You'd look at the past psychiatric history to see if there are any associated, if they have any uh, medical issues. Things like that. Uh, on M.S.C. on um, on appearance, you'd want to look at how well are they? Do they look well? Uh, they look, do they look well nourished? What are they wearing? What is their posture? You'll find most of them are stooped over. What are they wearing? You'll find most of them are wearing dark colours. Womiji fonika hoodie. Their pocketing. Uh, how is their mood? Their mood. They could be sad. affect, Is it appropriate to that sadness? is it uh, appropriate to whatever you're asking Uh, speech they might have reduced rate reduced tone when they're talking to you they might have the response time is very long when you ask them a question it takes long for them to to answer Uh, for cognition like their memory might be affected their concentration their orientation their insight some have insight some don't have insight their judgment also may be affected so that's what you see on uh, history and msc so, if you suspect a patient has depression, what are the uh, lab in lab investigations that you're going to do for you to rule it out? So, you do a full hemogram to uh, to rule out uh, hypoglycemia. Ah, oh, sorry, not a full hemogram to rule out hypoglycemia. You do RBS to rule out hypoglycemia. You do a full hemogram to. To rule out any sort of infection, you do UECs in case of electrolyte imbalance, which could present like this. You do thyroid function test to rule out uh, hypothyroidism. You do glucose levels, calcium levels. Uh, you do ESR if you suspect an infection. Uh, so now, what do you do when you decide to manage? So for one, you decide, okay, is this the patient I'm going to admit, or not? And there are certain criteria that the patient has to meet for you to say we're going to admit this patient. For example, one. If they have like suicidal ideations, one. Two, if they have no, they haven't proper support. Three, if you think the medication you're going to give them is going to be more of IV than oral medication. Uh, Four, if they're going to be either harm to themselves or harm to the people around them. Okay, if you decide to admit this patient, what are the medications you're going to give? There are different options that you could give, like for example, tricyclic antidepressants, like amitriptyline. Uh, the reason why TCAs are given is because they are cheap. However, they have an increased level of toxicity, so most people decide to use antiseriz as a first line. For example, escitalopram, escitalopram, duloxetine. Uh, you can also use antseriz if you want, like duloxetine. duloxetine. Uh, you can also use monoamine oxidases that you, if you want to use, like phenelzine. Uh, of important to note is when do you decide you know I'm going to give uh, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. So one is patients who uh, are refractory to medication. Two, if they have like psychosis associated with depression. Three, if patient preference. Four, especially for mothers who decide they pre- uh, not to decide who are pregnant, you decide not to give medication and you're going to give uh, ECT. So those are th- how we're going to treat the patients who have depression. That is one. Before you actually even admit with the patient, you have to do psychoeducation. You have to educate this patient and tell them, you know what? You have depression. This is what it is. This is how we're going to help you. Do you accept us doing this for you? Uh, another one is therapy. You know, most people who are depressed, they need therapy. Uh, interpersonal therapy. They also need cognitive behavioral therapy. They also need uh, family therapy for those people who are around them, which could be helpful because social support is a very important factor in mental health. So this is just a summary of depression. I hope to see you in the next podcast. Bye. Hello, guys, and welcome back to my podcast. Today, I'm going to take you through the first and second generation antipsychotics that are used in psychiatry. So the first generation is also known as typical antipsychotics, while the second generation is known as atypical antipsychotics. antipsychotic. So for the first generation antipsychotics, it's also divided into three groups, such that group one is also known as aliphatic phenothiazines, and this is where chlorpromazine is. Chlorpromazine is a widely used antipsychotics it has anti and antihistaminic histaminic effects like sedation it also has anti-muscarinic effects just like most of the antipsychotics like now sedation I and mean, it's like uh, constipation dry mouth things like that uh, group two contains piperidine for the thiazids, uh like thioridazine that one is not commonly used and then group three now has the one that is that the ones that are commonly used in the hospital now this one has Piperazine, So there's piperidine and piperazine. So piperazine is the one that is commonly used. It has kinam, uh flufenazine. It has flupentixol. It has zuclopenthixol. It has haloperidol. So these ones now also give you the same side effects. Uh, the function of uh, the, fa- the first generation and second is it works on dopamine. It's a dopamine two antagonist. Uh, while now second generation works on both dop- dopamine and serotonin. So one of the side effects are the ones that has anti effects and sedition. Uh, it also has the extrapyramidal side effects. So the three extrapyramidal side they' there are usually four, but the three common ones are dystonia, akathisia, and tardive dyskinesia. such that for dystonia, dystonia, it's usually an acute one. And this one you'll find it mostly. It's a contraction of muscles. Uh, to the maximum, so like you'll find mostly in patients who have like neck, usually it's a mastoid and people who have like in the mouth and in the tongue. So you'll find most of them is found in the head area. The second one is uh, acathisia, which just means restlessness. So people are just restless, they just like to walk around, like they don't like to be in one spot. The other one is tardive dyskinesia. This is form of like it's a chorea form, form of. Uh, extrapyramidal side effects, it affects the whole body, like it feels like, you know how Korea is, like Huntington's Korea, yeah, it's something like that. So the one that is given to manage these uh, extrapyramidal side effects is attained. So dystonia is acute, akathisia occurs usually after like one month of uh, giving the, the antipsychotics and tardive dyskinesia occurs after a long time. And usually tardive dyskinesia, when you get it, usually mm-hmm. the symptoms are irreversible. Moving on to second generation antipsychotics. Second generation antipsychotics usually, the common ones you'll hear is olanzapine, risperidone, abisulpiride, uh, quitipine, clozapine, aripiprazole. So usually these are the first drugs that you'd want to choose, like they are the first line drug medications for if you want to use an antipsychotic. Most of them usually also cause sedation and they also cause weight gain as one of the most common side effects. Typically all of them have unique side effects and but most of them usually cause weight gain, uh, and now, one important thing is that clozapine is usually used for uh, schizophrenia resistant. Let's say you've used all the other drugs and you haven't found a drug which is really helping the schizophrenia. Now you could use clozapine. So like there are certain nice guidelines that are usually used for clozapine. So those are the first and second generation antipsychotics. It was just a very brief summary. Uh, what you should know is how to classify the first generation group one group two group three and also the second generation you should also know the side effects and you should know the usually the extra pyramidal side effects and what you give for it all right see the next one